Hello and welcome to Head Above the Clouds podcast. And for what seems like forever ago, we are pleased to say we are back following the launch of our pilot series with even more conversations around mental health, well-being, guest experiences and endeavours, and boy does it feel good. For those of you who are new to our podcast, a big hello from the HATC team. Here at HATC, we continue to create spaces where people can find a moment's escapism or even a bit of respite. So take a moment, settle in, and welcome to the community and world that is ahead of the clouds. Hello and welcome to Head Above the Clouds podcast. And for what seems like forever ago, we are pleased to say we are back following the launch of our pilot series with even more conversations around mental health, well-being, guest experiences and endeavours, and boy does it feel good. For those of you who are new to our podcast, a big hello from the HATC team. Here at HATC, we continue to create spaces where people can find a moment's escapism or even a bit of respite. So take a moment, settle in, and welcome to the community and world that is ahead of the class. This week, for our first episode back, we are joined by the one and only Chris Mears MBE, Olympic gold medalist, DJ and producer. Chris is no stranger to success. Chris sits down with me to talk about how achieving his dream nearly cost him his life, how he found his passion for music, and the notion of finding inner peace. Fab, well... I think a good place to start mm. is school. School. Yeah. Having gone to the same school. Yeah, how crazy. Like, <laughs> um, f- Well, firstly, actually, I'm really grateful to uh, do this podcast. Oh. And like, yeah, I can't help but, uh, but, but feel a little bit of... Um, well, I like, feel like I don't, I don't meet up to the mark of your other guests, honestly. But uh, oh, that's so I, I just because I'm so inspired by a bunch of people that um, I'm also yeah. good friends with the Vamps. I saw that you. Uh, yeah, we did them on the cover. Done. Yeah, They're on the cover. So yeah. nice. So lovely, man. It's uh, really well, funny. But yeah, no, I'm really grateful to be in this podcast. Oh well, we're glad so to have you. you. You say that, but you know, you, I think you're quite up there with some of us. You know, I mean, all our guests, we love them all. But if you're talking about like how you speak about, like you've you've got a gold, you know, gold medal. I think you're pretty. <laughs> you're pretty okay and you've produced with some pretty awesome bands and you know artists i think you're yeah you're probably I, being a bit hard on yourself to be honest uh that's classic classic stuff i think classic of just any well classic anybody that's like <laughs> you know that, that i don't know ne- i feel like we're never happy like even mm. even you i'm sure you've got aspirations of where you see the business going and stuff like that i mm. think we all are never really like quite content and i think that's that's actually a really comforting thing in a weird way it's like actually i'm on a journey and i need to this is a lesson i've learned actually we've gone well left but anyway, no 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 um, it'll come a full lesson circle. i've really learned in the last especially the last year is where wherever this like journey of life is taking any of us um we have to enjoy the process because mm. um we have to enjoy getting there because that's what that's what it is like the outcome doesn't give you anything but like a tangible thing that you can put on a shelf like maybe if it's an award or if it's like you know say uh, a cut that you always wanted you know uh, for those listening don't know what a cut is it's basically just a song placed with somebody that's basically like what my job's been for the last uh, <laughs> three years is trying to make something good enough that someone might actually want to be interested in but you have to enjoy the process like of making the music of doing the business side of music which can be stressful but it also can be really fun as well so that's the biggest thing I think I've learned in the last couple of years. But yeah, school, we went to the same school. Like, we how did. mad. I remember like 
you know, when you invited me on the previous uh, issue that I, that I was involved in and we were chatting and that was the first thing that you kind of opened with. It was like, what? I know. Because so you were uh, not the year above me, the year above that, I think. Yeah. Okay. And then the yeah. year below my brother. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. it's mad, isn't it? Like how these things come full circle. In fact, it's happened lots recently where you end up meeting someone that you somehow should have met. Yeah. Quite a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'll link this back to the Medusa record, right? So yeah. Bad Memories. Um, James Carter is from Mortimer. Right? No. And he's on the song, right? So it's Medusa uh, times James Carter featuring Ellie Duhay and Fastboy. And so this all came, this whole journey came about because I was having a party at mine for my girlfriend's 23rd birthday, right? And one of her mates was like, put a song on. I was like, oh, what's that? She was like, oh, you'll know him. It's James Carter from Burfield. I was like, sorry, come again. <laughs> Is that James Carter from Burfield? I was like, there's a guy from Burfield that's making cool dance music and I don't know about it. Complete no way. Um, and then I like, looked into it and I was pretty battered at this stage. Yeah. I texted him and was like, yo, bro, like probably sent him a voice, like really, really cringy voice note or something. I was like, mate, how do we not know each of each other? Whatever. In the morning, like we had a conversation and then that was like a year and a half before we had this. But yeah, bad memories. He sent me, he'd done the kind of original 30 second kind of draft in a session where he'd come up with like the main idea for the hook and then be like, yo, like that was the first thing we properly worked on together. That's mad. <laughs> so it's so weird. Like it's such a small how world. crazy to full circle something like that. Yeah, it's mad. I, we couldn't get over it for like six months. I was like, there's no way that this is actually going to end up happening because it's just mm. too perfect of a story <laughs> to happen. It's a weird one, isn't it? I do think that like it just keeps... We had it with um, recently the Amazons um, yeah. who are from Reading. Yeah. And their close friends with... Their close friends are like the siblings of one of my best mates from primary school. Like weird, connections, yeah, weird my, stuff. My, my, one of my old best friends was in my tutor. Yeah, he was in that band as the drummer. It was before they blew up. Um, oh. He left the band probably sixteen, seventeen. But we're getting really into it now. Yeah, like yeah. It, that's in the past. But yeah, just really interesting. The same thing. There are connections there too. So mad, mad, it's mad. a small world. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah, there's obviously not many musicians and the people that are there are amazing. It's a small pool of people (laughs) that all come from Reading, apparently. What are you you guys doing? (laughs) Oh, I love it, though. It's nice, though. I mean, school was... It's interesting because you, throughout the whole of your teens with school, were training as well. Yeah, yeah. So how was that in the aspect of normal teenage life? You know, when you're a teenager, especially at our school, you know... I didn't quite live in Burfield, but I was still close enough in Silchester that you go, you know, you get in early, hang out, mm. you go to school, you go to the wreck, um, you know, yes. which for anyone who doesn't know who knows us is is basically a park. Yeah. Um, and a lot goes down in that park, <laughs> I feel. <laughs> a lot goes down in that park. Yeah. And you head there after school, you hang out, you go to the co-op, you grab some food, maybe go into yeah. town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How was it with you in training? Because were you just primarily training in the mornings or was it morning and evening? I had a really good setup with the school. Right. Um, and I will say that I think the Willink had a big part to play in me becoming successful in my sport because there were a lot of times when it was kind of, I probably, yeah, sorry, Willink, I'm going to out you here, but it's all for the best. It's all fine. I don't think anyone's going to backtrack this. It's all chill. <laughs> But there was a lot of unwritten kind of 
you know, like I would, I would, I think three of five days of the week, I would leave at about 12 in the afternoon. So I'd do like a half day. And I think, yeah, it was written down as like three because that was like the maximum a pupil could actually have off. Mm. But it was a lot more, I think. I feel like there were times when it was like, you know, this is a really important thing. There's always an important thing coming up, like competition or whatever that I have to train for. He's going to learn a new dive, whatever it is. I was hardly at school. Um, and I also never really bought into school that mm. much. Like, I don't know. I feel like I was going through a lot of, I don't know. I had a big chip on my shoulder from like losing my mum. So like I was, I was, I don't know, I guess a little bit, not not angry, but a bit like, look at me, kind of mm. had that kind of energy about me. So I would do things to try and turn heads, um, whether it was funny or something stupid or I tried to do a somersault, like constant like gratification. I think that was a big part of my like growing up at school. Any of like my school friends will vouch for that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I would do just silly things and it would be like, oh, that's so Chris. You know, when someone says that about someone and uh, I think I, I didn't ever really know really what was going on with that. But uh, I really enjoyed school. I had a really great set of friends around me. Like I built some awesome friendships and there's like a group of literally like 17 of us that, I mean, we're all meeting up for Christmas. Like we all have been awaited on two stags, like all 17 of us, like, this year only, yeah. like alone, we've done two stags as a, a, a whole group. So it's just so special because like you've just, these are your brothers, you know, mm. like you've known them since, since kind of in a way, not day one, but day one as, uh, as far as you can kind of remember. So it's nice yeah. having those kind of relationships where I know it's not for everyone, mm. um, but I still have the close friends from the groups and stuff that I still see from school. And I always think yeah. it's a nice relationship partly because you know everything about one of them but they yeah. get to see like the evolution of you yeah at, for good and bad you yeah, know and all that's yeah. glory yeah and i think it's always interesting to see that evolution as you know of friends and Completely agree. the good and bad times but it's nice that you still you're still close to one another um yeah. but it's funny you say that with the willink because the willink i found Mm. I guess there's two things. The first thing was I felt it was a bit of a pressure cooker with mm. the grades. Yeah. Um, with our year especially, it was just like if you're getting them top grades, it was like a pressure oven on mm. you. But their pastoral care team, I mean, they had a whole building for it. Yeah. Was incredible. Right. And I okay. count a lot of the fact that when I got the bipolar, it kind of started symptoms around 12, but mm. it got worse around 14. Yeah. Um. I definitely credit them for keeping me in school and right. and keeping me partially on the rails yeah, because yeah, they were yeah, so yeah. understanding. If I left a lesson, I could just go sit in pastoral care and someone would kind of keep an mm. eye on me and all that. And if it wasn't for that service, that speaking to a lot of people I know didn't have that. Their yeah. schools didn't. I don't know if you found that with, um, you know, you had some trauma of your own, whether mm. it was the loss of your mum or yeah. the pressure I would, ma would imagine that comes with diving. Yeah. Um, were the I mean, school quite helpful in, I don't know, pastoral kind of pastoral care or emotionally? Were they quite understanding with you or was it something that it never really crossed over? Or I'm sure if I'd have voiced something that they would have heard me, for sure. Um, I I mean... Why didn't I, you? Do you think it was a oh, age thing? I'm a guy. Being a bloke? Um, yeah. and that, I hate that mm. term, but there is really something in it. And I think the world is 
changing um or at least you know pockets of the world i think are changing really dramatically and i really really kudos that i think it's great mm. but like as someone that came from like a household of like you know i really respect my parents first of all but a household of we don't really talk about things we don't talk about how things make us feel we just kind of do and we we do a lot we go on these holidays and we do this and we do that and we go away camping and Chris is doing his training and, you know, my brother's, um, you know, was younger than me as uh, seven years younger than me doing school and um, my sister's doing her thing, but we never really connect. I, d I never felt like we really connected emotionally more than having a good time on a holiday or whatever. We didn't talk about real things. Mm. So I think that your point, I think is really great that you had that support and you needed it. I think had you not, I think that would have been a lot more difficult for me the school were really good at highlighting like, okay, Chris has got a competition here. Um, and maybe there's this important thing that like all students have to do, like whether it's an exam or it's like a, a sitting and hearing someone talk or whatever, it, whatever it was, they would make it work around what I had going on. And I really, I, I know a lot of people that were around me actually that had complete opposite vibe of that, yeah. where it was like, Cool, that's fine that you're doing you're you're doing some little somersaults off of a board into water, which is what it is. Mm. Like you need to be here for this and you need to be here for that. There was a lot of people that actually I feel were held back by their school. Um that was not the case for me. It's which amazing is really that they kind of acknowledged the opportunity for yeah. you and that yeah, you yeah, wanted yeah. to do this. Especially as kids. I feel as kids you're kind of said, you know, you know, adults half the time kind of not like rushing under a, yeah. under the carpet but they're like oh you want to do that huh okay but you've got to do this yeah, instead yeah. of going okay they're passionate about this i'm going to support that because they're passionate yeah like especially when it comes to education you know yeah, most people yeah. parents are like hardcore like you've got to get the grade you've got to study yeah like you need the core subjects yeah. like, what does that even mean i know like, what does that mean these days like you can you can make a living off of TikTok now. Like, if you're clever enough and you can connect with an audience, you can get paid on TikTok. That, 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 it's changing so much. Mm. Um, and I think it's really important to be educated, for sure. Saying that from a person that isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Go to school, kids. But um, Yeah, I mean, like, I've educated myself on music production out of pure curiosity and hunger for mm. being excited. Um and I think actually there's a huge power in that. Whether even now there are people at school that are really interested in whatever that may be, farming, I don't know, mm. something that really just, there's something in that, I don't know what it is. Like, I just think people should follow because the world may not be ready for that like now, but we can see how quick stuff mm. changes. Like, actually, farming might be really important in the next uh, 10 years because of the state of the world. Let's not get into that. But... um. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, that's a really weird uh, analogy to kind of draw up. But, like, I just think we should be, like, looking at, you know, things a bit differently than the, the systematic approach uh, of, like, you know, all right, you need to do your maths and your English and this and that. It's like, but if you have a child, like, hopefully one day when I have kids and hopefully, you know, they're really passionate about this and maybe one of my children's really passionate about something else, like, I'm going to box them in. Yeah. For sure. That's Just the best way to be, though, isn't encouragement. it? Encouragement, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because my my family, going back to the conversation of I guess, talking about, you know, emotions, mm. my my family are the opposite. Or at least my dad 
amazing now. He struggled with you know being the bloke and mm. and kind of being emotional. But my mum is very emotional, like in the sense mm. of she, it for her. It was like for me, it was the opposite. It was like constantly talking, and I was just like, right, okay, too much. But I don't know. I think. Do you think that stemmed with from? I know it's delicate, but mm-hmm. to stem from losing your mum. Yeah. Some of it. Hugely, yeah. I think my my dad, I think really, obviously, like really struggled mm-hmm. with losing her, I would say. Really struggled with that, with losing her. Um, oh, yeah. And that really, I think it shaped how he his evolution of being mm-hmm. a human. Uh, I think that completely changed the course of who he was. Mm-hmm. Um I think I've heard from a lot of people in the family that he he kind of shut down quite a bit emotionally and I really respect that because it was he's done an amazing job with us um but it doesn't mean that it hasn't affected me it's kind of how when I've sat down and had conversations with my dad had difficult conversations with my dad which is hard to do anyway as male to male um but when we have chatted about stuff like this you know maybe at points we've both got a little bit defensive or whatever like characteristic kind of stuff that people do when they kind of know something's true mm. and they're hurt but I think that's the way that I've explained it to him is it's I'm not like discrediting the fact that you actually got through that somehow I don't know how um and in a way it kind of brings more credit to me to my mum the fact that he loved her that much but also he had to get through that and he had to get us through that and that was you know, not to be super cynical, but that was not going to happen well with him not being around. And yeah. I think he did his best to to stay with us, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's a hard one. But yeah. It's all right. Um, I really respect him for that, for 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 doing his best for that. Well, he's clearly done with all of you an incredible job. And, and I yeah. think the problem when you sit down with loved ones is you don't want to criticise. You're not criticising necessarily. 100% anything to do with growing up the job mm-hmm. they've done yeah but to, you know i think when you're their loved ones it's like me if i sit down with my mum and she's talking to me about something i i might take it as a criticism yeah because i'm because she loves me and i love her and you know you you go on the defensive as you say yeah yeah, yeah. but it, that's an amazing job for him i guess there's something in it as well where you, to be strong you kind of have to put the shutters down a little bit yes 100%. Um, and that I can't imagine what it's how hard it is when you've got yeah. children and you've got to somehow get your shit together and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. pull yeah. through that. So props props to him. Props to him. Yeah, and also shout out to uh, my stepmom Katie because you've got my... a really nice relationship with your stepmom, haven't you? I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, I really really appreciate appreciate her. We appreciate each other. Um, it's always tough navigating a role where it's a mother role, but also mm-hmm. isn't your mother, and. Um, I think that there's a balancing act that kind of happens there um, that you kind of experience maybe towards more when you get older and you start asking questions about stuff. But we're really close. And she also is like, was the driving force behind me and my diving. She took like, you to training, right? Yeah, she took me to training along with my nan and granddad too, who were huge. They were pivotal in my career as well um, as, a, as an athlete. Um, yeah, she would, she would make up my lunch and I'd come, I'd come wandering home from school. She'd pick me up and, you know, I'd walk home, whatever, and drive me to training and wait there the whole evening. Um, so much energy went into, into me and, uh, you know, me kind of not even like having success in diving. It was just like, oh, he likes this thing and he's going to do it. 
it's the amount of commitment that comes with that. And the amount of people that were around me that maybe were more talented than me, or maybe they could have had a chance to even do a nationals or, you know, do a world event or whatever it was, uh, even get an Olympic medal. And they didn't have the support structure around them to, you know, maybe they had more children at home or didn't have the money, whatever it was. There's so many factors that go into like uh, achieving, I guess, you know, to an extent what I've achieved, like, it's not just, oh, yeah, he was really good at that, and then he did it. It's like, doesn't quite there's so one. many tangible things that are like, oh, it's mad. Yeah, but, yeah, they 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 really went above and beyond. I will say in that, that um, I think my dad was really clever in this. I think he always kind of leaned on this narrative that he didn't want me to do diving. And so he was that, always do you think that like, was then... oh, man, I think he knew it <laughs> so well. Where you go, kind of, fuck He's you, I'm so going to go clever, do it. Man. Like, yeah, I always thought he didn't really care. Um and it was like, oh, yeah, he's always away. He, doesn't, he, he didn't really care about, like, my diving. And he's always saying, like, oh, yeah, like, when are you going to, like, do some business or, you know, get into this or that? And I think, I'm pretty sure now when we've chatted, like, he's always still playing it now. I'm like, Dad, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always 30 now, man. Like, I think we're good. <laughs> but, like, um, that helped me so much. That gave me so much fire because I had such a rebellious attitude as a youngster I think because of losing mum and, mm. you know, like a bunch of just being a teenager and experiencing teenager things. Like you said earlier, mm. my, my upbringing was different because I was training all the time. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't partying. I wasn't staying out super late. I I think I went on like one night out when I was 18. Like that was, that was my life. Like I just was training, 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 training. So like, yeah, that was a, a big thing as well. It was like, I lost out. I was kind of angry about that, that. I'd lost out a lot of connection as I grew up. There were a lot of inside jokes, a lot of nicknames in my friends and they'd say stuff and I would feel like I wasn't involved because I was missing, I was diving. But when I became older and looked back on it, obviously I don't regret it. And all of my friends were so like support and still so supportive of even what I do now and what I did and what I've achieved. They were like, super gassed obviously to see their their friend in the olympics and now like super gassed to hear some tunes on the radio as well so as as i am with all of their careers as well like we follow each other really close which is really nice thing to have man i'm so grateful for it it's really amazing isn't it all of you you know being so close but going back to i guess diving um which so many people who listen to this will know you will know mm -hmm. you because of you know the the exposure from diving but you obviously, as we said, you know, you've you trained for years and you found like huge success. I think it was the first gold medal for diving for for the UK, right? That's right yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is no mean feat. That's that's yeah, crazy. I, like, mad, yeah. and, and I think, you know, that's obviously crazy. But when you actually think about it and achieving that, did you ever think and you were training that you'd get to that point or was it just... You know, I guess when it comes down to confidence mm. and confidence is a different thing, a weird thing because you can be confident in certain things but not others. Yes. Was it something that you were like, I'm going to get there, I'm going to absolutely nail this, I'm going to get a gold medal and I'm going to achieve all this or was it a, I really enjoy doing this, I hope that happens but I don't know <laughs> if it's going to happen. I have a lot to say on this topic. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think to go back to like not talking about feelings and emotions has mm. a huge part to play in this because at being an athlete, you have to be so selfish. You have everybody around you that is literally focused on you, the team, uh, the coach, the coach is on you. Everyone is gravitating like around you. So selfish, but obviously that's just part of what it is to be an athlete, right? So 
No, I didn't ever think about it too much. I just mm. did it and I really enjoyed it and I really, really hated it sometimes, like to the point of really wanting to not bother anymore. Um, but, you know, that's what we do. We we prosper on and we ask ourselves why we're doing it and what we want. It's like, well, okay. And maybe 10 years prior to, you know, getting a medal, it was like, I really am inspired by this diver and I really want to be as good as him. Like, so I should, I should keep going then. Yeah, okay. And then, like, you know, maybe later it was... I really think I could be in a shot with an Olympic medal when I was in my prime, more prime years, which was kind of that 20, that era of being 23. Now to the confidence thing. Um, and it's a bit tough to say, but it's true. I don't really know when I lost this, but I'm not the same person that I was. Um, I had this, I wouldn't call it like arrogance. I would call it like severe belief. Um, mm in the cause, in the people around me. And that has a lot to say about them and how good they were, as well as myself and my partner, Jack Law, who may very well be the best springboard diver that's ever walked this earth, ever. Um, so I always felt super grateful to, to stand next to him. And it was so hard to stand next to him because he was so strong, man. Like, Jesus, if you mess something up, you, the height difference is like, because he was just so, he'd go through the roof. Um, yeah, but that confidence, like, especially leading up to the event, my coach, uh, A.D. Hinchcliffe, who now is, like, working with the Australian team, he started doing this thing with us, right, where he said, right, uh, we're going to do, like, five or six categories of, like, work environment um, and outside of work environment, and you're going to rate me out of, out of 10, and I'm going to rate you out of 10. And it was, like, punctuality, um, you know, like your tenacity or like, you know, like your, your desire, your strength or whatever. And then it was your professionalism, all these things. Oh man, I'll never forget the first time we sat down to do this. And I tried to be so nice. Like I was like, yeah, 10, 10. And he was like, don't ever give me a 10 again. And I was like, wow. Okay. And he was like, two, three, one, two, one. We need to, we need to talk about this. Wow. And Jesus, what this did to me was like, I mean, it gave me anxiety and made me overthink things. And then two months later, I became an adult. No, no joke. Um, he really shaped, he really, that wouldn't, that uh, Olympic goal would never have happened without him. He really glued us together by almost shooting us apart. Like he made us really take a look into ourselves and each other and then understand almost like how a watch is made. And then it's like, okay, so, ah, oh, I get it now. When I turn up late, everyone else is kind of disrespected at that. Or, like, when I don't do that last rep, and maybe Jack sees, and, like, maybe it's only me and him that know that I didn't do, like, the extra five reps. Or I decided to go home before doing my rehab on my, on my knee treatment or whatever. He sees that. And then, when you come to the event, if you keep doing these little 1% and you keep throwing them away like they're nothing suddenly you've lost like 20% by, by, by the time you're standing on the board and then it, it's the last dive that counts and you're there and you, I do think it has a huge difference to when you're there like, is he going to nail it? And he didn't do them five crunches. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it seems stupid, but it's huge. I and think it's AD, AD built that for us. So a lot of respect to him. It's amazing. I mean, I don't think it's stupid at all. I think as you, as you say, when you're a kid, you don't necessarily have... I don't think even it's understanding. I think mm. maybe it's the kind of acknowledgement of yeah, these things. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't think, oh, that little thing won't mean a lot here and there. Yeah. But you say when it adds up, it it does add up. Yeah, it's big. 
How did it feel? What was it like when you stood on that board? What was the feeling? Because I would imagine some people would think it's, you know, pure anxiety, pure I'm pressure. I'm nervous thinking about it, honestly. Yeah. Or was it, well, yeah, what was behind it? Because I'm sure it's multiple things. Yeah. But how did you feel when you got up there? And even maybe beforehand, was it yeah. different the before feeling to how you were when you were you were up there? Because I'm not, I'm not an Olympic. Yeah. I, I'm not, an, yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. even particularly, <laughs> I ride horses, that's about it. Like, yeah, yeah. and the gym, I'm not an Olympian or even, I can't run for shit. So I don't know what it's like to, you know, to have it in that way. Uh, right? Everyone has their thing where they have these yeah. things. But what was it like for you that moment when you get up on that board and you're fighting to yeah. get a medal? Um, I feel like everything for that Rio games just lined up. It was like, let's go to the events before. Like we did the European, we had a really good run in the World Series, which is a bunch of uh, events around the world, the world competing against the world. So you're, you're competing against each other. You see how everyone's doing. I could see that the Chinese were on a bit of a downward uh, trajectory in terms of because um, they're always so good right mm. and one of them had an injury and they didn't have enough time to kind of like replace this guy um, he was still doing well but he was kind of injured and was kind of struggling through the season they had two options there they could either um, try someone else in the role and like then figure out with like four or five events to go which is so rogue or they could just stick with it and believe in the team and hope that you know he is alright with his you know with his injury. That's the main reason why I think when it came to, okay, so just before that, we did European championships, we beat the Russians. That mm -hmm. was huge because the Russians were our main competition. And I think we actually already beat, we already almost won the games before getting there. All we had to do was turn up and like perform, which is kind of stupid saying that because it sounds really weird. But I think a lot of it was done pre-games because the Russians had a really tough time and I feel I really felt for them on on that event because, like, they had a lot of, uh, you know, there was a lot of stick about, you know, Russians cheating and stuff like that. I know for a fact the Russian divers didn't cheat. But anyway, they were part of a team that cheated. They need to be penalised for that, so fair. Um, so they were kind of already beaten anyway because like, of that. Um, the Chinese, well, as I say, they almost just needed to be forced into a break. So they need to be put into a corner and what me and Jack did was just wake up on the day. It was raining and Jack pointed outside. Never forget it. And he was like, it's raining. Like, oh, they're going to be so put off by that. There was never a conversation where it was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. And then we get to the pool and it looks like fucking Shrek's swamp. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah uh, it, it was green, wasn't it? Yeah. It I was green. The pool was green. <laughs> right. And we turned up. And and I just said to Jack, like, oh, I mean, blue, green, what's the difference, right? Like, <laughs> it's still the same. <laughs> it's still a bunch of water. Like, I was, I'm sure it'll be still fine. Still going to dive into it. It's yeah, fine. and I remember that um, training session, like four out of eight of the people competing in that Olympic final, they went straight up to the uh, F. FIA or whatever, not FIA. That's pretty that's, Formula that's One. F1. Yeah. I wish. <laughs> I'm a big F1 As I got fan. Into I know my that. Car with my helmet. <laughs> I'd say it was uh, it was FINA, but um, it was actually the Olympic Committee. Yeah. Whatever it was, doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. But um, they were going up to them complaining about it, like we can't do the competition. It's ridiculous because I think everyone has this glorified thing in their head of what it's going to look like for them, what their Olympic experience is going to look like. Yeah. And the reality of that was... We have was, years of training to think yeah, about that one, don't you? Four years to think, yeah. how's this going to look? Um, and you do gl uh, glamorize it in your head. But in this scenario, it was raining. It was 
not good conditions. It was windy, mm. which is huge for diving, especially like knocking yourself about on the board and all that kind of stuff. Like it's distracting. Um, and the pool's green. Uh, and in between our event, because there was a small delay, it went from being blue skies, partly cloudy, bit of sun coming through. So when you spin around, you can see the sun, very distracting. And then cloud cover. And then it went into night and the floodlights come in. So suddenly the pool is floodlit. So you're competing in three different, completely different scenarios mm. in the space of like an hour. Um, which doesn't maybe sound like a lot, but it's crazy that headspace that yeah. you go through because you, you can't help it, but you know, you have to block out the what ifs. But like you, you do have them like, oh man, this is weird. Like I actually haven't nailed a front four and a half in this, actually, in this exact lighting yet. Like there's weird yeah. things that you'll go through in your head, but actually all you can do is just process and just do it. I don't think that's weird though. I yeah, think that you, yeah. that's routine. And yeah. Maybe I'm just yeah. a stickler Experience. for routine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when there's something, one element that does not fit, yeah, of course you're going to feel off. Yeah. But yeah, go t- I just remembered your question. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> No, so no, because it's interesting um, to hear it all. Yeah, yeah. But you said, how did I feel? Oh, my days. Um, pr- the, the test event, which was mm. in like February, which is like the Olympic test event, right? Jack and I were leading the competition and I remember thinking oh we're winning like if we win the event like and then surely we won't win the games like you can't win both surely like especially like how mad it is like for British to be winning anyway in this event like it's already mad so like imagine winning both it would be unthinkable so like I remember going into the light and we also unveiled a new dive, which had uh, never been really done before in synchro. So that was a huge part of it. There's was a big degree of difficulty, which helped us win. But um, so we did that and we were really excited and we completely, that stepped us completely out of our routine. So that was dive number five out of six. And then we both got up there for number six and we both absolutely tanked out our back. Like literally it was so embarrassing. And we went from first to fourth in one dive. And what that taught me was to look at the scoreboard and actually breathe in where I am because it was leading the way that made me ruin the opportunity. And Jack as well admitted that we didn't have faith in each other that after that winning, we didn't know what to do with it. Mm. So we came fourth and that was the best thing that happened to us because what we learned from that was, right, we, we can actually lead. We can lead the event, which we did in the games. We led basically throughout the entire competition dive by dive. Um, which is insane for us because my required was so shocking. Like I, I, I literally just fluked that day, honestly. <laughs> I was blacked out on that day. Um, but yeah, so like that was a huge part of it as well. Was actually that failure that that uh, then kind of in in course uh, was a learning experience for us. How do you deal with the pressure when mm. you you know before that last night on the gold medal and you you it's make or break. Oh, I can tell you some funny things here. Like I remember just doing the process and like in between doing my process, which is like thinking about dive, I always listen to dead mouse. I love his music. So I was listening to dead mouse, only listen to dead mouse in competition. It's just a thing I did mm. for comfort. Um, and I remember the USA, the USA came second and they did their dive and he made a real scene about it. A guy called uh, Mike Hickson. Made a real big scene about how good the dive was, and he was splashing the water. The typical American, like get yeah. some, like you know, you, <laughs> so stereotypical. Like, and he like fully got in our face a little bit, and you know, was I guess trying to trying to shake us a little mm. bit. And um, 
Actually, thanks for that. Because I think that was the main reason why I was like, oh, I'm not letting you do yeah, that. You. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting away with that. Um, but no, what was really funny was stepping up onto the board and I just had like a really, it just felt quite tranquil. Like I was stood next to my best mate. We were doing a dive that we'd been really comfortably training. So we were ending, I felt really strong. The degree of difficulty was a lot. And then they announced the dive and then I just hear my stepmom's voice. It was so ear piercing. Sorry, that's really offensive, but it is. She does the <laughs> loudest scream and it's just like, oh, Chris, 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 Chris. And then everyone stopped and I just heard this voice. So I was like, sick. All right, let's go. <laughs> um, and then I just did it. I don't remember. I, th- I think at that point, a lot of the uh, kind of theory had gone out of the window and it, I just let things take over. And uh, yeah, just let it, uh, what will be, what will be. And uh, you know, what will be, will be, idiot. Um, and then I just did it and it happened. I don't know. It was mad. I can't tell you much more. Like it was a blur. Right. You must have been ecstatic. I mean, both of you, you worked so hard and yeah. to achieve something like that. I, I don't even know if that sinks in. No, I think what it is, is really controversial to say, but it's a blessing and a curse. Because yeah. the kind of feeling that it gives you is like, well, that that gave me for how much it meant to me. Um... It was like taking a drug that doesn't exist of euphoria, yeah. right? And that lasts for a couple of weeks. And then suddenly I realized that I actually hadn't been enjoying a lot of my life so far. And that's when I started to question a lot of stuff. You said that's in, when a lot of anxiety came in for me. Yeah, and you said in the interview that, I'm trying to remember the exact quote, but it was something like winning the gold medal at the Olympic Games nearly killed me. Yeah, it did, yeah. yeah. Tell me about that. In terms of your mental health, what um, do you do when you get everything that you've been working for? This is, you know, years mm, of work. Yeah, Not just yeah, two, yeah. one, two years. This is your yeah. whole life you've been working towards this. This is the, you know, ultimate peak of the mountain. Yeah. What do you do when you get there and you crash? Mm, yeah, it's so confusing. Like... And I think, again, leaning into the, like, not talking about emotions and sweeping stuff under the rug and almost, like, the promotion of that style of the human experience was so, so bad for me in that in that stage because I actually didn't really know or understand it. All I did was, like, kind of just got into a relationship that was not right for me and that... I really needed at that time because I desperately needed support and I didn't know why. Mm. Um, And I think a part of it, and I think he would really agree with this now in reflection, I think a part of it was Jack, my best friend at the time. We were inseparable. He had just got in a relationship with someone who was really right for him. And so we were kind of, we went this way with that. And then I just was so destroyed by the experience and he was so enlightened by it or something. Like he just went up and Mm -hmm. he suddenly had this crazy divine confidence about him. And there was just this, there's just this excellence that comes with Jack. Like, and he just feels like he was always born to be in that sport. And I'm not saying that I wasn't, but what I mean is he still had a future in it and that really drove him to want more. Whereas for me, that was not the case. Um, I really felt suddenly like I had lead weights all over me and that 
mm. I kind of realized that like, okay, well, that hasn't given me the happiness that I thought it would for some reason. I know a lot of people can relate to this style of thing, whether it's not sport, whether it's something else and just, you know, entrepreneurs or whatever, mm. I think have the same thing. Um, yeah, it's like, well, if that isn't giving me the thing, then why am I still here? I'm a very like, I'm either 100% in or I'm 100% out. And at that point, I wanted to be out so bad, but I was letting down, I felt I was letting down everybody around me. And that was a part of, part of the problem. But I think the biggest problem was just not understanding stuff in myself that led me to feel suicidal, that then I knew wasn't right, which then I seeked help and I got some therapy. When I say I got therapy, I did therapy properly many years later. What I did is I put a bandaid on myself and I was able to go, sweet, therapy, tick, amazing, well done, Chris. Pat yourself on the back, wicked, don't feel suicidal anymore. Right, I'm going to leave diving and I'm going to go into music, which was another ball game in itself because you're completely destroying your identity. Mm. Man, I was not prepared for that. <laughs> I was not prepared for that at all and how that would feel. Um, but slowly, slowly but surely, um, I think... I feel I'm a much better person now. But to go back to the confidence thing, I've always missed that part of myself that I feel was almost almost arrogantly confident and so sure of myself and what I was doing. Now I feel I question everything, even to the point where, like, oh, I'm happy. Am I happy? Mm. Hmm. What does that mean? Like, who am I? This, I have these questions. And it might make me sound crazy, but I honestly, I don't care. Because yeah. I think that... To an extent, I think everybody will experience this at some point. And um, I think the power is in how you handle yourself and how you deal with it and how you change certain mindsets and uh, situations. I don't think you're crazy for it. I don't think mm. you're on your own with it. This is my daily being most yeah. of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I haven't felt secure and mm. grounded secure. Mm -hmm. I am no one. Yeah. I... I 10, 10 mm, years old. Mm. And I don't know whether that's just a growing up thing. Yeah. I'm I'm still trying to figure out what the hell it is. I don't know if it's a bipolar thing. I don't know if it's a yeah. seizure thing that I stuff with. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's any of that stuff. Yeah. Or if it's just general life. Mm. And and you don't I don't know if it's trauma. I don't know what the fuck it is, if I'm totally honest yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. still trying to figure that out after years of therapy or whatever. But it's interesting what that does to you as an adult with your confidence, mm. especially in things you should really be confident in because yeah. you know you can do it. You know you can nail it. You know yourself better than anyone. And I know, for instance, my personality and what I'm good at. I know I'm, flip, mm. you know, what things I'm friggin' really good at. Yeah. I know I can nail it. But for mm -hmm. some reason, mm. there is like a complete lack of confidence in everything yeah so i don't think you're on your own no with that but the problem is, is when you think this stuff you feel on your own yeah yeah you can for yeah. sure if you box it in um i am me 100 percent of the time so that's part of the issue is like i'm not able to sometimes get perspective or mm. understand how i feel about something until i talk about it with someone properly yeah and that may be a therapist it might be my girlfriend it might be a friend mm. um yeah, but the identity thing was was huge for me. Like leaving diving behind and like for 2 years I think I was in a weird place. 
It's terms been your of, whole life. Yeah. That's and, what you've been told is your identity, but also you've, yeah. I imagine you've told yourself yeah. for a very, very long time. Yes. And also hadn't done proper therapy yet. Like yeah. I said, I experienced that later on. I experienced that a couple of years ago and I started doing that on a weekly basis. And now I check in every few months, which is really useful for me even now that yeah. I feel I'm on the right path because I think it's very easy to become maybe notched into old habits and mm-hmm. then not to realize until you have a conversation and go, oh, that's a pattern. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, for, for a few years, it was super weird for me. Like I didn't really, I think I was overcompensating in a lot of areas. I didn't feel good enough in music yet that I don't my stripes to, to call myself a full-time producer yet. I think that was a big issue. And I think I'm a big, I'm a stickler for wanting, say, respect, industry respect, which I got in diving. Of course I did. And I think for a long time, I was I was an ex-Olympic champion trying to make music. Mm. And then I think when I got like my first kind of real cut, which was like Felix Yen, who was like a big German act, um, song called No Therapy that I produced, that then went on to, I think it's done about 100 million streams now. So it streamed really well. It's like top 10 wow. German radio. Like it was a really, really successful record. And that was a point when I was like, I'm good enough. Mm. Uh, I have done something. And it was also like, my production it was what i'm hearing on the radio is what i did and that was really useful for me um there was a lot more to than just the success of doing music there was a lot more to unpack but on the surface that really that identity thing really helped me be like hey i'm chris or mirzy the producer and uh yeah that was something for me it's amazing that you've got that you found that point yeah yeah sure we were talking about confidence yeah we were talking about confidence which yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a adult thing mm. where it all just turns to shit. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's a fear thing as well because I'm terrified of everything nowadays. Yeah. Well, this the is a weird thing. The older you get. Thing. Yeah. I was crazy as a kid. Same. I was breaking actually, kamikaze. I'm I didn't really give glad a shit. you brought this up. Yeah. yeah. I was not scared of anything. It was just another thing yeah. that I had to my... Um, Ah, this is really cool, actually. Especially jumping star. I'm going to say, like, how yeah. how tall is the diving, like... Well, how? I used to do 10 metre, which is what, uh, you know, people know, like, say, Tom Daly or Matty Lee, yeah. who just recently became both Olympic champions, which is... That was insane. It was insane. Oh, that was so nice to see. But what... With that, I used to, I used to also compete, uh, compete 10 metre when I was younger. So I, I did everything. I, I wasn't quite as good as uh, Tom. Or Matty, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I left them to that, to that, and I did the springboard. Um, but yeah, like it's like yeah, you just have to have like no fear um, and trust the process. But like yeah, like at school, I kind of touched on it earlier. I was just I'd do anything for attention. So like yeah. just to do like a back somersault at like eight a.m. off a bus shelter on the way to school. Like that was just the vibe that I was. <laughs> I, I started diving because I was like trying to do somersaults off of sofas, and my parents were like, "Oh my god, you're We've so annoying!" Like, Otherwise yeah, it's gonna go horribly exactly. wrong. Exactly, got to channel his energy. <laughs> if he can actually learn how to be safe, it'll be fine. And that was literally the reason why I started diving was I I was swimming, and I found it so boring. No mm. offense to any swimmers, because it obviously is such a such a great sport, and there's so many amazing things in swimming. But for me, it just wasn't my vibe. Like. I would dive in and be like, woo, that was cool. And mm. then I'd like do a few lengths and be like, ah, oh, man, I'm going to get out and do the dive again kind of thing. And then eventually I saw diving and was like, that's cool. I saw people hurting themselves and thought, <laughs> oh, that's wicked. 
And, um, sign me up. <laughs> yes. Where do I sign? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was exactly the same. But at some point along this journey of being me, like, I don't know when it happened, but like, I don't know. I just, I stopped. I, that that kind of part of my brain isn't really, it doesn't, I don't need it anymore. It, has, it doesn't excite mm. me. Like, I, I'm super excited about, I'm going to see a bit of a hermit crab. Like, I'll sit in my studio for like 10 hours and like be so like focused on something and be so like emotionally connected to mm. something that I'm doing. Like, I'm making, how it's making me feel and all that. I'm connecting with other writers if I'm in with other people. And then suddenly I'll be like, oh my God, it's nine o'clock. And then I've like got a million texts like, yo, I've made your dinner. It's in the fridge. Like, thanks, Katie, so much. <laughs> and that's life. Like, you know, I love that about music. But it's so weird that at some point that I would have looked at myself and be like, you're pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> so like, but I, I rate it. Oh, I'm the same. I don't go out. Yeah. I, and I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. Ellie goes out quite a lot. One of my best mates that I yeah. live with. She's, she's out and about. Yeah, yeah. And... I'm just watching. I'm a big TV telly person. Okay. I yeah. could sit for every weekend for probably for the rest of my life watching that every week and be yeah. totally fine with it, which is <laughs> not play. necessarily a good thing. There's a lot of good TV now. There like. is. Well, this is the problem. I sport for choice. I don't yeah. need to leave Crouch End. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Um, you know, it's wonderful. But yeah. I do wonder, for me, I think for me, it was trauma. I think I went from being very outgoing, rambunctious, loud. Yeah. And then trauma created this fear yeah of everything anything because then it just didn't feel safe yeah, yeah um i know that you obviously we spoke about this before as well the trauma you went through with your health yeah um which i don't think people understand unless they've been through it the mm. full weight yeah. of medical trauma yeah. and what something like that can do i mean one of mine was is severe allergic reactions, like blood reactions. Wow. And since then, yeah. like I went to get my COVID jab the other day. You should have seen me. I was in absolute state. I was crying because I was so scared yeah. of a reaction. And this is me every time I take something, whether it's a new yeah. vitamin, like meltdown mode. Uh, yeah. You obviously yours was pretty damn serious. I mean, mm. your spleen ruptured. Yeah. Um, you'd been ill before that without realizing spleen ruptures. You end up in hospital. You somehow finally recover mm. against the odds and then yeah. you end up in a seizure yeah i was in a coma for a week yeah yeah um yeah. i'm guessing you were probably unconscious with the seizure mine i tend yeah. to be i'm i'm tend to be there oh no way really? yeah that's insane um, it is but i don't know i don't know what's worse i don't know being yeah. unconscious or being there as a control freak i'm not i'm not entirely yeah. i haven't okay. figured that one out yet but yeah you went through i mean how long were you out of action because um, it was a, it was not a good outlook. No, it wasn't. And take good, your no. time with it because I know this. Some of the stuff we were speaking about is not the easiest. Yeah, honestly, there's like, no I, pressure as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you thank know. you for saying that. Actually, but um, it's funny with this one because uh, it's again another thing I talked about in therapy was especially with this mm. this thing with the health thing. I got interviewed about this so much that I w I just went beep beep beep. Uh, in, uh, let's go yeah. on to the, the this is what I say about this. And never really emotionally connected actually with any of it. Mm -hmm. And that was how I dealt with that for a long time. Was like, just don't catch. think about it and just say the things that happened. And like, I've just built up a story around it. That's all correct. In fact, yeah. correct. But um, completely taken the emotion out of it. That's um, dissociation which for is, you, isn't it? Yeah. Which I need. Protection mechanism. Because when I've tried to unlock that box, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty mm -hmm. hard for me in 
yeah, just a lot of stuff that I do remember and, you know, these yeah. pieces of, yeah, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. But what I will say is basically a rough outlook of, uh, go straight back onto the auto part. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> you Thank do you. whatever you need to do. No, that so, works um, for you. essentially I had glandular fever. So I had no, like you said, I had no idea that I was unwell. The glands in my throat were up a little bit, mm. but hardly. So I kind of felt like, ah, I'm a bit stressed. I was competing in Australia. It was my first, it was a youth Olympic games. So it was a cool event. I was really excited about it. But the glands in my stomach were really bad, like really swollen. Mm. And uh, yeah, like pushing, putting a lot of pressure on the organs and stuff around it. So from there, it, it just all went wrong. Like my spleen ruptured overnight somehow. Don't know how that happened still, but it just had a small rupture. Um, the spleen swells as well when you're mm, gla- when you have yeah. glandular fever. So that I'm sure happened. And then I went to breakfast and had some apple juice. Remember that? And I was like, I feel a bit sick. Mm. Uh, oh, I feel like I'm dying basically. I was yeah. like, I'm sure I'm just a bit nervous about the competition. It's a pretty big deal, so probably that. Um, and then I I left and went back up to the room. I w- w- like whacked into a Cadillac, like knocked the wing mirror, like. On the floor, everyone was like laughing, like, oh my God, Chris, <laughs> he just tripped over, like, what the hell? And then I remember having this, I've said this before in this interview, but I really remember this. Okay, let's relate it to like any other situation mm-hmm. where this has happened, where if you get out of bed a bit too quickly, a bit low and iron, yeah. and you're there like, oh my God, what is that? Yeah. Uh, I've Everything's gone black. And yeah. then like, you're like, oh, it's back. Yeah. It was like that, except that bit didn't happen and it just kept getting worse. It was like being in a, a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Um. The biggest thing I remember is the overexposure. Like it was like just white mm. lights because I was outside. It was boiling hot. It was Australia. Obviously, it's boiling hot. And then I was in and out of seizures. Suddenly, I was back in the apartment, yeah. which was on site. And then people were there like, don't worry, Chris, drink this Lucas A, whatever. And I didn't, I had no idea. Suddenly, then mm. I'd be in the hospital. And they were like, oh, how the fuck did I get here? But it's because I was in and out of seizures and I was losing blood. It's like hand of a fist. And then I go in, basically, cutting a long story short, there was a huge amount of time where they were just like, what is wrong with him? Like, we can't figure it out. Like, because it wasn't obvious that I was ill. I hadn't mentioned I was ill. Couldn't talk to me because I was out of it. And I was just losing blood. And all they could just see was blood all on my stomach. And then someone, they were testing me for everything at meningitis. No, 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 none of that. And then just some someone on site, just thank you so much to whoever that was, was like, what if it's this? What if it's glandular fever, swelling, spleen's ruptured? And they're like, it's a long shot, but you know he's about to die, so let's go for it. So they put me into a theatre, cut me open. I'd lost five pints of blood wow. by that time, which is, is you know, it's kind of the entirety of the mm-hmm. body. Maybe I'm incorrect. Maybe a doctor can uh, fact check <laughs> me on that one. Um, but yeah, I had a bunch of records like at the hospital, like lowest platelet count on like a surviving human or something on that hospital. Mm-hmm. It was mad. Yeah, it's Some terrifying. It's yeah. terrifying when those things happen, and and you, I think you don't also when it comes to like platelets and stuff like that. Mm. I never really thought much into it until my platelets like dropped, mm. and I bled a lot, mm. like crazy. They'd put in a cannula, yeah, and it would pour out, and I'd watch like the whole floor have a big puddle. I'm like, oh, oh shit, that days. doesn't look good. Oh, and I'm not very squeamish, yeah. I, you know. But when you're watching. It come out of you. You're like, oh shit, that that's, that, that's not good. And I'd, yeah. be, I'd be like panicking, and the nurse is just like, also panicking. You're like, 
if they're panicking, no. that's not good either. <laughs> no. They should not be panicking. <laughs> that's not um, alive. And it's terrifying when you, you know, even with seizures, I can in some way understand mm. um, the the what the fuck just yeah. kind of happen thing and, and figuring yeah. it out. Um, yeah. And I do think it has... I think you think it's fine. Mm. I th- I thought after all the medical trauma after the couple of years ago, I thought oh, I'm totally fine. Yeah. It's all dealt with now or partially dealt with. Mm-hmm. And then I said to my mum recently, a couple of months back, I was like, I don't think I've actually dealt with any of that. And I think actually yeah. that's causing a lot of shit that I hadn't thought yeah. was caused in it. Yeah. Um. But I know you found, you know, your route into music. Yeah. Through the recovery time. I did, yeah. Which is, you know, some sort of, I guess, kind of calm to the storm, perhaps. Yeah. That kept you going. Yeah, I think it's a slight, uh, how do you explain it? I guess it's a testament to my focus. I always want to be focused. I always want to be moving forward. So I think in that moment where it was like, I just come out of the coma and me and my family were really worried about me getting a driver's license. So, AKA, not having another seizure so for a year yeah. oh, well actually, i think it's three months so it's three months if it's not an epileptic and right, it's a year yeah. if it's okay but it's a long i had the same thing I had yeah to wait. and we didn't know like why it was obvious to me mm. that it was like well my body was obviously under a lot of stress so that's what's pinching but we couldn't pinpoint that so i was just sat there like cool what what happens now i had one of these pill boxes monday mm-hmm. to sunday and i just felt like an old man so like I was, I was still reckless. Like I was, I was googling like how to wean myself off of these drugs because I felt so changed by them. Mm. Yeah, so that was a bit dark, but I did it. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, and yeah, it's brutal um, as well weaning off of some yeah. of these drugs. It's uh, uh, yeah, it's a lot. Oh, good fun. Yeah, but I wanted to get back to training, but in that journey, I also bought a guitar and I decided that this is kind of fun. So then I had an iPad and I kind of linked up my guitar to my iPad and I I had this thing. I was never really interested in like playing other people's songs. I always wanted to like create something that I could Mm. then listen back to and like change the way I feel or whatever. It was, I mean, it was an emotional thing for me. It was like, I want to create something. Mm. Um, And that's never left. As soon as I discovered it, it's yeah. I mean, uh, in that sense, we've talked about a lot of change of growing up. I don't think I've ever lost my child. Mm. I think that's what I, I love. A part I love about myself is that I haven't lost my child. And I haven't lost the ability to completely lose myself in something because mm. I'm so obsessed. Um, that's what music is for me. But yeah, so I'm actually really grateful that it will happen because I think I actually needed the knock to my ego as a kid of being like, dude, you're not going to be around forever. So like, you know, you've got this really good diving thing going, like make sure you train hard. Yeah. And like actually value it. Mm. So that was huge. It was like a midlife crisis. (laughs) at 17 (laughs) or 16 or whatever. So that was like really good. And discovering the music thing was obviously huge for me. Uh, And then that, as I went on, became more and more... I wouldn't say serious, but more of like a, an in, uh, I was curious. Uh, it was a hobby. And then when I was going through that dark time, I was making a lot of music. Mm. Like when I was suicidal and all of that, I was, I was putting a lot of energy into music. Um, when I wasn't diving, I was making music. And when I was diving, actually I was thinking about making music and I was getting inspired by stuff. And 
so yeah it was all a bit of a, a full circular thing and uh so yeah that, i think it kind of made me that experience of being unwell so it's kind of positive yeah. well look where you've ended up i yeah. mean you've worked with some of the biggest bands and musicians around yeah you know we spoke there. earlier you're getting there yeah <laughs> you're literally you're just like me when someone says to me oh, look, at, <laughs> look at the magazine look at all the covers you had look at the company i'm like yeah <laughs> we're on our way yeah and they're like what do you mean you're on your way where's the end for you and i'm like same, oh same, i don't same. think there ever is yeah, yeah but yeah. you know it's pretty impressive oh thank you and yeah. you've you know yeah. created a space and a name because i know you did some work with a partner you're still doing that with no i'm no? solo now yeah. so i was working with my cousin um yeah and we had a really good relationship going but i think we had different ideas of where to take like business yeah. moving forward and we decided to like part ways very amicably and we still work together a bunch here and there. My um, cousins, you can't really yeah. avoid that one at Christmas, can you? <laughs> <laughs> well, they do say that. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is a bit ropey. I've been an AD all week. Uh, <laughs> last right. week. Um, yeah, like we, I think it was just one of these things where we're, we're still super close, man. Like, mm. And I think, I think we started to value that side of it more than making music. I think I, I wanted to explore like making more indie music mm. and band music with dance music and like kind of push the envelope yeah and i think uh robbie wanted to write robbie's really strong with like rock and pop Ro robbie's written like young blood tunes he's done yeah. some cool shit um and i feel like we weren't batting in the same direction anymore yeah. and i think that was Happens. a good move for both of us yeah yeah um but yeah, so that was kind of that's been my focus since parting ways with Bloodline, which is what we were called. Mm. Um, was going back to a younger self, which is why I've kind of rebranded myself as Mirzy. I've been called Mirzy since I was a kid by my school. I mean, I know and, that. Yeah, so like, See? I really sounds slightly creepy, but <laughs> <laughs> good intentions. No, uh, of course. Um, I really feel like I'm going. I found my way back home, man. Like. Um, not saying that Bloodline wasn't my home. I just think it was a learning experience. Uh, we learned so much from doing that together. Mm. And I think I realized I wanted to just mess around with fusing my love and passion for indie music when I was growing up with dance music. And they were my two main things I was listening to. So now being the artist, Mirzy, which is uh, soon come. Yeah, I'm really excited about the music. Um, yeah, it's... It's kind of strange, but cool in a way, and it's it's just yeah, it's really exciting becoming <clears throat> becoming that artist, and um, you know I've put a lot of energy into and trying to make music for other people in a way, just making as good as best music as I can. But the Medusa record that came together in a really crazy way, like I said about James Carter, like so a lot of stars aligning there. But um, yeah, there's some huge influences because I would thought that was going to be a Mizzy song with James Carter. <clears throat> I was trying to do a collab. So like I was at like I, me and one of my best friends, John Iden, who's like an insane guitarist. He's like indie through and through. He's the most indie guy you'll ever meet. He's so cool. <laughs> um, and uh, he was doing it like you can hear the guitar in the record. It's got like a kind of childish like strumming pattern to it and a bunch of other cool guitar effects through it, which was John and myself who came up with. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of Mirzy in that. So every time I hear it, I hear it and I'm like, oh yeah, there's a bit of me in this record, which I really love. Um, but yeah, it's just really fun sitting on the other side of the fence and, um, you know, like probably won't get too deep into it, but 
the longer you're in this industry, the more kind of scarred you are from mm. the deals that happen. And there's a lot of kind of ant squashing, I'll call it, from big, maybe it's not big corporations, maybe it's big managers, maybe it's a, a fuse of everything. But as soon as, um, you know, you experience some of these kind of these journeys and these things, um, I think you realize basically how much more of a stake in a song and how much more meaningful is it when it's yours. Yeah. So that's why I'm really focused on doing Mirzi. I really like, I'm excited to hopefully get more cuts. Like I pray it would be as big as, you know, like I get a cut as big as the Medusa record. Like it was obviously awesome, but I don't want to focus on it. Cause actually I think focusing on it almost leads you away from it. Like yeah. that came from not focusing on it. I was trying to do something else. So <laughs> who knows, man, I'm just really excited to, uh, I've changed my way of thinking and I'm doing a lot more, a lot more sessions by myself or working on previous ideas rather than trying to climb this like metaphorical mm. ladder that I don't think exists. There's this whole thing in music where it's like, right, okay, so you get in session with these people and these group of people and once you do that, maybe you get like a Joel Corey cut. Like, I mean, dance, so it's always going to be dance, right? Or maybe you get like a Griffin thing, it's more US thing or Elenium or, you know, like, I'm just throwing names now, I'll just stop. But um, <laughs> that's like my brain has always been fixated on like climbing this like yeah. metaphorical ladder. But actually what I've really come to realize is <clears throat> I've been making really cool music with my friends and with people that are close to me. And I think climbing the ladder is cool, but at the same time, like, it's here. It's in yeah. front of me. So what am I going to do? And it just comes back to that why. And that why is, I want to be an artist now. So yeah. There we go. It's amazing though, because you, you, it's interesting <clears throat> to see the outlook, which has still got part of the in, initial thought process, but also yeah. has newer things. Yeah. Because you know, a lot of people you talk to, it's like they either have the same outlook or it's totally changed. Yeah. So it's nice to see that there's kind of some sort of balance yeah. with it all. And, yeah. And what you're hoping to do and where you're hoping to kind of end up per se. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not one for, oh, you know, what are you going to expect to do in five years time? Because I, I can barely do that weekly, let alone in yeah, you know, yeah, five yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. But it's nice to see that. Um, but what do you see kind of in your future yeah. in comparison to what you might have seen when you were growing oh. up? If oh, you can, goodness. if there is anything. Jeez. It could be something really small. It could be that, yeah. you, you know, you thought you might still be diving or it could be that you were hoping to get out or someone you'd like to work with. Yeah. If there is anything. Mm. That's a great question. I've literally never thought about that. I think because I've always, I kind of mentioned it earlier, because I've always been somebody that's not gone along with it. Yeah. But I think I never really asked myself these questions. I think I just kind That's of... That's an answer. That's I had, okay. Yeah. I think I had dreams of being an Olympian. And then I think... I don't know. There's something that like Matthew McConaughey said or something. Um, he's a proper geezer. I love Legend. him. He's so cool. Yeah. Um, he like... Is gonna. He said it a lot better than this. <laughs> 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 That's the I'm going to say that. Hold my hand up. I'm really bad at... Uh, spewing out someone else's okay. really cool quote like but he basically <laughs> how it roughly goes is like you know we, we get a dream and then we create a new dream yeah. and I think I am a product of that so like you know I obviously like I said I had a dream of uh, you know doing the Olympics and then I did that and then I did London it was an amazing experience and I was like mm, love an Olympic medal and then was so lucky enough that I got one and then I kind of just was led down this path of like well now because I'm 100% in or 100% out I was literally like becoming 100% on the music thing so I was like 
I'm going to do that. <laughs> what does it look like? I don't know. <laughs> like, literally no idea. I'm just going to do it. And literally everybody told me I was absolutely fucking crazy to leave diving there. I could have kept earning a really good wage at. And winnings are decent as well. And basically submit myself to couple of years and no money misery <laughs> and music. yeah financial and, misery yeah literally um <laughs> to get to this place um that i didn't know existed yet but mad but do you know i know other people i think it's when you're on out outside you know view mm. the person there james you always kind of do like what was it a risk assessment i think it's really like human yeah, of yeah. us all to go oh okay i need to do a risk assessment of this and the financial thing and all this and where is it you know all that stuff which yeah. really yes and it, for a lot of people it's, it's extremely you know it's extremely hard work at the music industry i know that mm. yeah from my own stuff and yeah. it's draining and it's soul destroying in mm. ways mm. um but if it's what you want to do, yeah, what is that? You Come know, on. that's like saying, "Oh, okay, well, I'll just stay and diving, even though I really don't want to be here, and it's exactly. killing me, literally making me daily. suicidal yeah, daily yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. it's got a bit of money in it, and I might get that instead yeah. of going yeah. and doing something you love." Yeah, I mean, I know it's working out for you either way, but, <laughs> but oh, for sure, but it's there's a lot of power the behind the words. Like, um, yeah, in a way, it's um, the more that you experience, like almost in a way the more like you it's really bad to say this it's again controversial you feel like suddenly you feel like entitled to it because mm. you're like yo I've done all these years man like I've I've done this mm. I've climbed the ladder and you guys said if I got to this stage my fee was going to be here right because I because you're getting that in you're getting the quality in the product when I'm and we're basically just making assets every day if you're in pitch uh, you're you're getting that person's like creative brain and energy in that room and their production skills tied in with a little bow on the top and pushed mm. to you, right? Um, and the longer that you do it for, hopefully, the better that you get at it and the more clinical, maybe more professional, slick everything sounds. Obviously, the idea has to be good. But then with that, you know, it comes a fee. And sometimes that is so poorly met Mm. Um, you know, where it's not even like a tenth of the fee that you you think you deserve, and then it's very hard to then be like, okay, well, yeah, fine, cool. Yeah. Like, how do we how do we go forward with this? And um, I will say, in opposite to that, there's a lot of amazing situations, right, where I think I've almost been given more than I deserved, and felt really guilty about it. So there is there is two sides to it. And I think, syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, joy. For sure. We love it. Yeah. Favorite thing in the <laughs> whole world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, it's all just like it's just a process, like and again, if you enjoy the process of making the music, uh uh like anyone that's like an up and coming producer or hasn't done sessions yet or whatever it looks like, I can promise you when you hear like your record playing like i heard the medusa record i was out in amsterdam and i heard it it just went number one in uh the netherlands and i heard it play out to us to a a crowd of people that were screaming the lyrics and i was wow. like what <laughs> <laughs> there's like such Surreal. an amazing feeling that a connection like, that comes with like that it's just like yeah it's crazy so like doesn't really matter in a way about like yeah money is money and the deal is the deal like you know i'm I'm happy with the deal i got on that tune or whatever but like it, it's just a lot of 
it's got to change and we just have to be open to change if you want to do music. I think if you're yeah. going to be stubborn, I think it's not going to work out for you. Yeah. You've got to be first time flexible with, yeah. the, with it, haven't you? As yeah. you were saying earlier about all the, the new things that you have to... Which become almost more important than, than the thing itself. Yeah. yeah, than the thing itself. You know, yeah, going viral yeah. on TikTok's way more important now than 100%. the actual song or whatever yeah. it might be. Which is the, the amount of times that like, um, well, like my uh, manager, like we we would we've been chatting about doing this project for a while. I've said, oh, I really want to do this kind of thing, this kind of thing. And it's funny. I learned a lot of that in Bloodline when it was like, here's the music. He was like, cool. What does it look like? I'm like, ah, what do you mean? <laughs> what's it, what it looks like it's, it's music like, it's like how are you presenting it I'm like oh it's mad though it's mad how much it focuses on that in, in yeah. the industry I mean anything you do now is we have the same with, with everything we do is there is certain things that are way more important what shouldn't be important yeah but are way more important than the concept or whatever uh -huh. the hell it is yeah, or yeah. how we're going to do it and it kind of just takes its own um, its own mind of the situation yeah. which is just is just madness um but yeah i think it's been quite quite the busy journey for you really hasn't it yeah. um overall but it's nice to see you in such a good headspace you know even from when yeah. we spoke a couple of what eight, two years ago year yeah, and a half yeah. ago yeah and you know you seem really settled still and and in a much better headspace than you were in previously. Um, I completely agree with that. Yeah, I th I think that I have I have put myself or almost grown a situation, a nurtured, I'd say, mm -hmm. a situation around me where I have everything that I need. Like, yeah. and I'm super happy. Like, I'm in a great relationship. Um, had a really difficult year actually with that. My girlfriend Katie we're like so close man it's mm. awesome but her mum passed away this year and it mm. was so sudden and it was so difficult and it was all around the time that the Medusa record was kind of taking shape and we were doing visits to the hospice every day like maybe not every day but like every few days or maybe every day some weeks and man I just felt so weird and she did and we just I don't know I think i I just really grew up more in mm. that situation of just knowing like, okay, how do I, how do I uh, present myself in this situation to somebody that I love so much? And how do I watch someone go through that? Yeah. What can you do to help the situation and make it more slightly yeah, and how bearable? Also, I think, yeah, exactly. And also for yourself, what does she need from me? And what do I need from me? Yeah. It's, and weird. grief does weird things. Yeah, and it's not it just does, grief yeah. afterwards. I think when you're watching these situations, there's yeah, a lot of grief before you even get to that point. Exactly, yeah. And you're trying um, to navigate that. Yeah. It's hard enough when it's yourself, but when you're trying to balance the relationship as well, yeah. it's difficult. I would say that it's really bound us together as well because I think now we know like how much we've got each other's back. Yeah, you can handle and it And I together. think that's been really, really powerful for us. Um but yeah, I think I'm I, like going back to what we were talking about. I think I'm in the right place with the right people at the right time. And I think that I'm at the, I'd say right now I'm at the peak of my ability musically. I'd probably in two years probably laugh at that because I'd probably be <laughs> hopefully a lot better. But um, yeah, I feel like I got the world at my feet. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited about life. I've slowed down a little bit actually. And I'm really, really proud to say that without being anxious because 
a huge part of my being is like constantly driving forward and yeah. constantly doing something. But actually now I've really learned, I actually, I think it's from this experience that I really need to cherish people around me and like put energy into those that I love and I, and I trust and I care mm. about and then I'll get it back. And one thing I've changed this year uh, after this experience is doing one random act of kindness a day. So, so far today, there was an elderly man on a tube and he had a really cool leather jacket on, right? <laughs> and I was like, this guy needs to know. He's got a cool jacket on. Love and I it. just said to him, like, when the train stopped, I was about to get off at Camden Town to come here. I said, I really like your jacket. And uh, his face lit up and mm. I was like, you know what? That's it for today. That's good. Yeah. And that's actually been really good for me. It's like putting out good energy mm. to like sounds really cliche but putting yeah. really good energy out to the universe I think um will swing itself back around in the long run 100% big yeah. believer in that probably way too much yeah good. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's that's a really good outlook to have and, yeah. and to continue and I also very much resonate with the pressures on yourself about mm. you know for me for instance it's like knowing oh well if I take an hour off or a day off mm. I mean I didn't take a day off I haven't done that in since the company started yeah really long time ago a couple of years mm. because I felt so much guilt mm -hmm. yeah and it was like painful and I just couldn't hack it so I just didn't do it mm. so to hear that you've kind of you get in there and you find a good yeah. pace with that it's a process yeah. yeah it is a process but I think I don't know it's a healthy one a healthy one, and I yeah. think that's kind of life, isn't it? I don't want to yeah. be too philosophical, being like, oh, you know, life's a process, life's a journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, want to yeah. throw up everywhere saying that. Yeah, I feel but, like I've said it like four but, times, sorry. <laughs> I've said it now. Um, but it is, it's true, it very is, much yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for being so honest and, and so open with me about some really difficult things as well. No, thank it's you. Really thank you for the same. No, not at yeah. all. It's good to have these chats. It's always nice to, to not be too bored. From from myself, so <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed. <laughs> oh, awesome! Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. But yeah, thank you so much, Chris. Thank oh, thank you. you so much.